Welcome to In the Wake with Whitley. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. All right, this week I have a very special guest with me here today. I have Erica, who I connected with recently through social media, a podcasting group, and I was so inspired by her story, and I'm excited for you all to hear about that today and her message. So, hi, Erica. How are you? Hi. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited to share my story. Yeah, I'm excited as well. So, do you want to introduce yourself a bit? Like, who are you, and what is your story? Sure. So, I am a mom of four. Uh, I work full-time. I'm a wife. And I I say that so that you kind of get a background of what my life may look like. So pretty busy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I have several roles that I play, but I battled with severe anxiety that kind of just popped into my life out of nowhere or what felt like out of nowhere. I just remember, I'll never forget my first panic attack. I was driving home from work, perfectly happy day. And I just had this overwhelming fear that just came over like my entire body. I just remember I started crying. I had these really drastic thoughts that like I was going to lose control and crash. And there was a little part of me that knew I was safe. There was nothing wrong. What was happening to me felt very irrational, but I just Mm -hmm. couldn't it to stop. And so I remember pulling off of the freeway and just still like just crying uncontrollably. I called my mom immediately who happened to live close to where I was. And I I just remember saying, you know, I don't know what's going on. I'm safe, but I can't stop crying. You know, I was driving and I just, I feel really afraid and I don't know why. I I drove to her house, kind of sat there for an hour. And over the course of that hour, I started to feel better and more normal. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, you know, driving home. And it definitely was a very odd experience because I hadn't felt anything like that before. My mom would said, well, you know, you you have the four kids and you're, you're working full time, you're managing your home, like maybe all of that just kind of caught up with you. And I thought, you know, maybe she's right. And so several months passed, life was normal again, so to speak. And again, one night watching a movie with my husband, the house was quiet, kids are in bed, you know, perfect, perfect scenario for like, you know, just a relaxing evening. Right. We're sitting there and I, rem- I remember, I remember jumping up, the house was on fire. Mm-hmm. And my husband kind of looked at me odd, like, you know, what's wrong? And I remember telling him, like, I don't feel right. I feel like I can't breathe. My chest felt like a lot of pressure. And I was telling him this and he's like, you know, you're okay. Just, you know, take a deep breath. You know, you're not sick. Like, you look okay. You'll be okay. Just, you know, sit down. I'm like, I don't want to sit down. You know, I, I was just very frantic. And I remember going to the front door and it was a really cold night. And I, I remember just wanting to take really deep breaths and feeling like that air in my lungs. And I just couldn't quite take a deep breath. I think that also initiated like more panic in me. And Mm -hmm. I started shaking. 
the point where I was like chattering, I couldn't even get my words out to my husband. And it probably was maybe two or three minutes, but it felt like so much longer to me. Right. And I remember saying, I need to go to the hospital. Something is wrong. I can't catch my breath. My chest feels like I can't breathe. And he, you know, obviously he agreed and, and we did go to the hospital. But I remember my thoughts even were really dramatic. Like I, worst case scenario, I was, you know, already seeing myself like passed out on the floor, my kids waking up in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. like just really drastic. And we went to ER and that's where they, you know, identified that you had a panic attack and have you ever dealt with anxiety before? And at that moment, I remembered the car ride and they said, you know, it sounds like you have some anxiety working mom of four. That's a lot to handle. You know, you got a lot going on and it's just an accumulation of, of all of that. And sometimes that comes out in the form of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I just, and they did prescribe medication so that it, in the event of a panic attack, I could you know, take something that would help calm me down in that moment. Really from that point on, like my life was upside down. I was having panic attack every single day, sometimes two to three times a day. Life was just so unpredictable for me. And it was difficult because my children were small at that time. This was about seven years ago. And I had to still get up and show up in my life every day. Because the children were small, we had one that was not in school yet. My husband worked nights and I worked days. So I, you know, I still had to get up and like get my kids ready and go to school and like perform in my everyday life. And so it was really a struggle because I was really concerned that I didn't want my children to worry about me or kind of, you know, manifest their own anxiety because sometimes that can happen. And so I felt very alone. I felt really hopeless. I felt really alienated. And I felt like no one, well, no one in my home, at least, could identify, like my husband couldn't identify with what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. He had no clue. And so when I would have an anxiety attack and have kind of irrational thoughts, I'm like, I I feel like I'm having a heart attack. He's like, you're you're fine. (laughs) And it was kind of that tone. You know, as I got healthier, I understood it's very difficult on the other side of things. Like you, you don't know how you can help somebody in a situation where nothing's really actually wrong. Mm-hmm. So I felt for him in the situation as well, because he couldn't really help me. You know, he could help as far as like offload some of the duties with like the children. But where I really started to find healing and, and strength, being able to start overcoming the anxiety was for me, I'm a spiritual person. So definitely it was, it was prayer, it was community and it was loving myself and taking care Mm -hmm. of myself. I remember my mom saying, you know, maybe you should give your aunt a call because she knows about anxiety. And I remember growing up that she didn't drive and everyone knew she didn't drive because she had a phobia of driving, but really what it was, was anxiety. And so when I was able to talk to her and just having somebody to talk to that knew exactly what I was feeling, could identify with the experience, it was really a relief because it felt safe. I could, I could talk about it and know that she understood. Mm-hmm. And she became what I called my safe person. She was available to me 24 hours a day. If I woke up in a panic attack, I could call her at at two in the morning and she answered. And, you know, that was really, really powerful for me because I was just having so much anxiety in the beginning. But as I started to talk with her and then take time for myself, so whether it was take a 30 minute nap or just 
go outside and, and journal. I remember liking to be outside and in the sun and in, in like the beauty of the world because normally I was just going every day, work, taking care of the house, taking care of the kids. Like I'd never really stopped to take care of myself. And so when I started to do that, I my days started to feel happier. I noticed that instead of having panic attacks, I would just have episodes of feeling nervous. But then I was able to control it because I was like, okay, I need to take a moment. Sometimes outside of my aunt, I would just call a girlfriend. Hey, how are you doing? And we would just have a conversation just to get my mind away from feeling anxious. That really helped me because for me and my own personal journey, I did seek medical care. So I did see a doctor after going to ER. I did do some therapy and I did try medication. The medication for me was not the best route. Mm -hmm. I had some side effects that were not, that were pretty scary for me. And again, I know it's different for different people. And, and sometimes medication is very helpful. For me, I had some thoughts of like hurting my children. And, you know, obviously that really freaked me out. But, you know, when I saw the psychiatrist, she said that that's actually normal. Some people will experience different forms of thoughts that may scare you. But the fact that it scares you lets you know that you're still in control of your thoughts. Like, you know, that that's irrational. Right. Um, And she was able to help me through that. And so, you know, for me, again, I just really relied on prayer community through being vulnerable enough to share with people that this is what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have to display being superwoman. You know, it was okay to let somebody know that, hey, I'm having a tough time right now. It's totally okay. Like nobody goes through life with no challenges, you know, (laughs) something at some point and it's okay. And I found that with the people that I felt safe and comfortable with, that I was having this experience, they were so supportive and willing to help in in however they could. I remember, you know, telling my coworker, we shared an office at the time and I said, Hey, you know, I want to want to share something with you. I'm kind of going through something right now. And there may be moments where I'm crying or I need to step away and just know that I'm okay, but this is what it is. And she was like, no problem. If you start to feel something and you want to take a walk, like, whatever you need, just let me know how I can help. And the same with, you know, my boss and other people that I started to, to open up with about what I was experiencing. So I think it's really, really important for people to understand that there are resources and there is support out there. If you allow yourself to, again, be vulnerable to saying, Hey, I need some help or, and this is what I'm going through. So that was really important for me. That's beautiful. And I also appreciate you making the distinction, like some things that work for other people may not work for you and what works for you may not work for other people. Like it's so individual, but also everyone needs that support. Everyone needs that connection, especially when you're struggling so much. Like I see a lot in our society where we have this mindset of like, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just willpower it out yourself and you don't want to be a burden on other people but at least for me and my own struggles with anxiety and depression like the most important thing I ever can do is to open up to people and ask for help when I need it and be vulnerable with my circle around me because that is kind of what makes or breaks how I experience it and how I cope with it. So I love that about your story. Definitely. So even in today, I'm much better and I pretty much feel like I 
have conquered anxiety Mm -hmm. for the most part, but I still have days where I feel a little off or I have kind of that nervousness sitting in me. I'm in a much stronger place where I can identify it now and get ahead of it. Right. But in those moments, I have to kind of self-assess, like, why am I feeling this way? Am I trying to handle too much? Am I not doing my self-care? Or have I been alienating myself? Because I'm a person I do like to have my alone time. Some people are really social and I love being social. And then there's times where I just like being a homebody. And so there's sometimes where I'm like, I've kind of cut myself off a little bit from the world. I need to connect because that kind of why I'm feeling a little alone, or I I just need to connect with a family member, friend. I don't think people realize the importance of connection Mm -hmm. to whoever it may be. It may be one person. It may be a circle of people, but just as humans, we need to have connection with others. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of relearning or realizing the importance of connection, especially now we're recording this during COVID and there's social distancing, but I've seen a lot of where social distancing, that term means that people are starting to isolate and not connect emotionally because they're physically distancing themselves from their peers and their circle of support. I know for me and my mental health, it has been absolutely crucial to continue making those connections and having that support system really, again, makes or breaks my mental health if I'm not. If I'm isolating myself and cutting off or building building those walls around myself, then my mental health struggles just like amplify. Yeah, that is so true. And I love that people have gotten creative. So like Zoom mm-hmm. or other live platforms. That's actually one of my tools. So like I have a friend, you know, she's one of my best friends and she lives in Florida. She had a birthday party. She's also a cancer survivor. And so it was a big year for her because she hit the two-year mark. And we did a Zoom with her, myself, and some of her other friends. Some of them I had met and some of them I didn't know. And I always feel sometimes I could be a little socially awkward, (laughs) but I found such a great group of women that we just talked and I mean, we were up all night on, on the zoom. It just felt so good. And it was a reminder to myself because I had been, you know, working remotely from home and kind of isolating it without realizing it. After that night, my spirit just felt happy. It felt connected and a group of women who share the same experiences of being a mom and you know trying to work and going through COVID with your kids and all of that. It really woke me up to remember, stay connected to people because like you just said, that really can affect your mental health. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be consciously aware of that because it's very easy. I know like myself, I can isolate without even realizing it. And so I have to be conscious of that. Right. Me too. So when did that turning point happen in your life where you were overwhelmed with all of this anxiety and struggle? Like when did you start prioritizing yourself, your own healing and self-care and self-love? When did that shift happen and how did it happen? So my anxiety kind of at the worst happened, I would say like the first six months after I kind of had those panic attacks and I was going to ER. And and I actually was going in in the very beginning because they were happening so often often. And it kind of hit me worse or hit me hardest at night. Mm -hmm. I was going to ER like a couple times a week (laughs) to where, you know, staff was like, I could hear the frustration in their voices. You know, they're like, it's a panic attack. You're fine. We gave you your medication. I'm like, and I feel like I'm going to die. 
you know, it was very real to me in my mind. Yeah. I kind of got through the worst of that through, you know, talking to my safe person and having people around me that understood what I was going through. And day by day, it got a little better. Where I really started to actually implement self-care was when I got to a place where I felt really strong and I felt like, okay, the, the worst of this is pa- is behind me. And so I, you know, I had to therapy. I had my, my group that I felt safe with journaling. My therapist at that time said, you know, journaling your thoughts and kind of getting that out. And so all those tools were helping me and I was getting stronger and better each day. And when I got, I would say towards the end of the year, but one day I was just, I don't remember what I was doing, but the thought kind of hit me and I'm like, I haven't had any anxiety. Like I've been doing really good. It was in that moment I started to look at, well, what have I done differently and what can I do to maintain this? Yeah. And so realizing that life is not perfect, there may be times where I will have some anxiety. I may even get another panic attack in my lifetime. Right. But now I have tools and I know I can identify with what it is. But in general, what can I do to maintain the healthy place that I'm in right now. And so I I actually took time and I kind of wrote down some things like, what do I enjoy doing? (laughs) Or what are things that I find give me peace or that allow me to decompress or kind of collect my thoughts? And so I kind of wrote some things down, like I really love going to brunch with my girlfriend or maybe like a happy hour. I enjoy connecting with other women, other moms. We get to talk about our experiences. I found that I like having time that is specifically where I am isolated and I am just in my room, maybe for an hour out in the backyard where I can just think about what's going on in my life or just letting my mind wander. But I find that it gives me a lot of, I guess you could say, like it recharges me, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it allows me to clear my mind where I'm not always going, going, going. I also identified that I had to let go of the expectations that either other people or society puts on us. Right. And more importantly, the pressure that I put on myself. Yeah. So it's okay if my house is messy sometimes. <laughs> it's okay that we're going to eat takeout tonight because mom's not cooking. Like those things are okay. Where before I felt pressured, no, I want to, I want to home cook for my kids. You know, I, my house has to be spotless or I have to weigh a certain amount. And that's when I'll feel happy or good about myself. Those things truly at the end of the day are not important. Cause what, what I realized was in my darkest moments where I was, really kind of felt hopeless. Did how much I weighed or the fact that my house was messy or my kids ate cereal. Were those things really important in that moment? Would I have traded one for the other? Like, no, having a clean house and all of the the other things that I just said, having all of those in perfect order was not going to take away the anxiety. Right. So letting those pressures that I was putting on myself go, that was really huge for me because I learned actually that I was a very controlling person. Mm-hmm. And that actually is a side effect of anxiety. So people who do suffer from anxiety tend to be a little controlling because the anxiety feels so out of control that we then kind of become a control freak in other parts of our lives to help us feel safe or better. So I had to let that go. Right. And I have to say that was so 
powerful. I really felt like I, I freed myself because I didn't have so much pressure on, I got to do this. I got to be that. And I feel like that also was a huge part of getting mentally healthier and better and not experiencing anxiety. Cause I, I you know, for me, I think the anxiety was just a manifestation of all these things, the busyness of life, right. trying to live up to society standards, trying to live up to my own pressures. I had to hone in on like what at the end of the day, truly, truly matters. What absolutely do I have to be responsible for and get done every day? And anything outside of that is a bonus. If my house is clean every single day for a week, that's a bonus. That's that's (laughs) awesome. But it's not necessary. So I think, and as a woman, as a mom for other like women and moms out there, we do that a lot without realizing just how much pressure we put on ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. learning to, to let some of that go is huge. Even if you don't have anxiety, just, and you're just a woman, like let some of that go and trust me, you will feel so free. (laughs) (laughs) I have like the biggest smile on my face because I feel like you're describing my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We are connected as people in more ways than we realize. Exactly. And so again, it's easy to isolate or not want to put yourself out there as experiencing something or having a tough time. I've learned that along the way because I've had people come to me like actually that coworker several years ago, we're still really good friends. And she came to me a few weeks ago. She had texted me and she said, I think I just had a panic attack. You know, she was like, I'm so glad that I had you in the past. She remembered the things that I did for myself and she was able to apply that for in her situation. And I've had other people say, hey, I have a friend that's experiencing some anxiety can I give them your number? I love that. I don't love that, you know, people are experiencing something. Yeah. Negative. The fact that I can help somebody and they don't have to suffer in silence makes me feel really good. And now looking back, I can say that the experience actually made me a stronger person and it forced me to take a look at some things that I needed to. And I can now be a healthier person moving forward. And as a mom, I'm grateful that I'm aware of things that I can instill in my children. So that before they even have to possibly deal with anxiety or, or when they come across challenges in their life, they'll have some tools to emotionally respond in a healthy way. Yeah. I think that's such a powerful thing that the act of you opening up and reaching out to people and sharing your struggles and being so vulnerable gave that relief to other people in your life that are like, oh, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And, you know, I'm not alone and I'm not the only one experiencing these kinds of things. I think that's so beautiful that by you being vulnerable, you created a safe place for other people to also share those things. And yeah, definitely. I think that's my biggest thing is I, I just, for anybody that's going through anything, it doesn't necessarily even have to be just anxiety but like depression or just anything you don't have to suffer in silence it makes me sad to think that I know there's people out there that do and it just if anyone listening can identify with that it's just know that there is always somebody out there that is willing to help and support you yeah what are the things that kind of trigger your anxiety do you think that it was those expectations and pressures you were putting on yourself or the busyness of your life or you know needing things to be perfect or a certain way I actually think it was a combination of things and to kind of speak a little bit 
deeper. I had a very dysfunctional home Mm -hmm. growing up. And when I was going through therapy for the anxiety, obviously they kind of go back a little further and Mm -hmm. try to understand kind of your life as a whole. And in my experiences as a child, I remembered there were times when I was at school and I would not feel well and say, I need to go to the nurse's office when really I there was nothing wrong with me mm-hmm. be crying. And I just felt like I wanted to be at home safe with my mom. At that time, the house was going through a lot and I just felt safer at home with, with my mom. And at that point, the therapist helped me realize the anxiety actually started then. But a lot of times in children or, or at that time in, in life, people didn't really have a label for it. Right. So at that time, it was just oh, there's things going on in the home. So that's what that is. But they, you know, they couldn't hone in that she's having anxiety. I remember that school year was pretty rough. And I got back and I'm like, you know, now looking back, it was anxiety because it wasn't as severe as what I'm feeling now as an adult. But I remember how I felt and it felt similar. Right. Fast forward all these years later, you know, as a child, and even though I did do some therapy as a child at that time, and just to kind of give some insight, you know, my parents were not together. They weren't divorced, but my father had gone to prison for a year and a half. And so it really disrupted our, our household. And kids are a lot more resilient than adults. So you just kind of move forward, right? You right. just kind of get better. You move forward, started to feel safer because my mom would assure, you know, you're safe, nothing's wrong. I'm always here if you need me. And I just kind of moved forward and, and got, you know, better, so to speak. But I never dealt with what was going on. And I think a lot of times we experience things in our lives that we don't actually deal with and digest and heal from. And then we carry that. We think we're better, but we carry it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for me and my personal experience, here's this baggage that I never dealt with. I became a mom at 15. So you know, during the time that my dad was gone, I was helping care for my younger brother and sister. Then I became a mom at 15, had to care for my my child. So I was caregiving really for most of my life. I was always putting others before myself. And so here I am a young mom and I have a total of four children. At the time I had anxiety. So, you know, I have baggage, a young mom, four children, a full-time job. I'm a wife. All this put together, I think at some point it just bubbled over. Yeah. Because I never learned how to heal from things that happened in my life. I definitely didn't have the tools or even think about caring for myself. And it just kind of exploded on me, I think is what happened. So for me, it was a combination of things. So I really would urge people to take a look at what maybe in your lifetime have you experienced that you haven't dealt with? Yeah. Because sometimes we think like, oh, something happened as a child, but we're adults now. We're, you know, we got a good job. We're thriving in life. And I'm not saying that everyone will end up with anxiety or some, you know, traumatic experience (laughs) over it. But I think it would just be wise to kind of dig into that so that maybe you can avoid having anxiety or depression or, or something, you know, Avoid it manifesting in some other way at a later time. Yeah, because really, if you don't process your emotions and your experiences and you just shove them down and pretend they don't exist, like it's going to come back up eventually. You're going to have to feel it eventually. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so for me, it definitely was part of that. And then part of just current life and just trying to handle it all. And again, you know, just trying to live up to these expectations and pressures. And I was kind of like a slow rolling boil for most of my (laughs) life. And then boom, like the lid popped off because at some point you just 
you break down. You cannot continue to just keep spinning your wheels and think that you'll just keep going in, in, in a happy way. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. So what does self-love mean to you? What does it mean to learn to love yourself? For me, it really is about taking care of myself first. Mm-hmm. And I had a little bit of struggle with that because I felt like, but my kids need me and my husband needs me or you know, my parents need It felt guilty at first to try to implement that. Yeah. But what I had to realize is that loving myself and taking care of myself first actually helped me to be a better version of myself to the people and things that I cared about most. And so definitely taking care of myself first, that I'm in a good space, throwing away comparison. I am not going to be like anybody else, nor do I have to be. My house doesn't have to look that way. I, I would compare myself to, you know, but that mom has it all together or, you know, at work, this person seems to have all the, I had to throw that out the window. I had to stop comparing. I think taking care of myself first and just realizing that everybody needs time alone and it doesn't have to be a significant amount of time. It doesn't have to be every single day, but I definitely think at least one to two times a week, you should be able to be alone with yourself and just kind of do a self-inventory is what I say sometimes. Just, you know, how am I feeling? What do I need? And do I need to connect? Am I self-isolating? Just identifying kind of where my mind is at and how I'm feeling so that I can get ahead of, oh, I'm starting to get, you know, some anxiety or I'm starting Mm -hmm. to self-isolate. Being aware. And so self-love is just really taking care of yourself and not feeling guilty about it. Do it unapologetically because it's crucial to you and it actually helps you be better to others. Yeah, it's so true because you can't. You can't keep giving and giving, giving if you have nothing to give to yourself. If you have nothing there first. So that makes sense. And mm-hmm. what does your self-care routine actually look like? I mean, through balancing a busy schedule and your kids and work, how do you take care of yourself through all that? So before COVID, I made it a point that, you know, at least a couple times a month, like, like I said, you know, I love to do like brunch or happy hour with my girlfriends. Mm -hmm. So that I always made sure that I connected in that way, because I, I really enjoy that since COVID and not really being able to do that zoom connecting with friends or family through zoom, try to do that at least once a month, but on a daily, just because there's so much going on in the world right now. And that's another thing. So one of my morning routines, kind of before anxiety is I would watch the news every morning as I was getting ready. Right. And the news is not necessarily (laughs) the most positive thing to watch. And so can't remember exactly, but I know there's some like world events that were happening at that time. Like I think a country flooded and over here, something happened, whether I realized it or not subconsciously, that was kind of in me. And then I would be worrying about like natural, I live in California. So I'd be driving and I'd have these thoughts like, what if there was an earthquake right now? And my car fell over the side of the, like, why am I thinking these thoughts? (laughs) Subconsciously, I'm listening to this news about all these earthquakes in other parts of the world. And then it was subconsciously in my mind. So I stopped watching the news. I realized if something really major is going on, I'll hear about it. Right. But right now, work for me, the volume is really high because I'm in a field that directly helps people that are working remotely. Mm-hmm. So work's busy. You know, all the kids are home. <laughs> they were doing their virtual learning. And so there was a lot going on. I had to make it a point daily. And I told my family every day at this time, I'm going to be in my room 
for an hour. I may take a nap. I may just sit in silence. I don't know, but I, you know, it's really important that you guys don't disturb me because I really just need that time for myself. Kids are much older now and they get it. My husband gets it and they actually appreciate that I am caring for myself because they see the difference. And they know that mom's not going to be stressed out if she's taking care of herself. Yeah. And it's kind of a win-win situation because I'm also displaying to my children that it's important to take care of yourself and that it's perfectly okay to do it. And I know, you know, maybe not everybody has an hour every day, but if you even just 15 minutes, if you have 15 minutes to just sit in silence or if you like to journal or pray or whatever that thing may be for you that makes you feel calm and gives you some sort of peace or decompression from maybe everything you might be handling, that's been really helpful for me. And so also, you know, I mentioned my kids are a little bit older. I have three children that drive now. And so my two daughters they've been doing the grocery shopping. So the last few months I make the list and kind of our menu and they go and they do all the shopping. So being able to like delegate and say, Hey, you know, I'm dealing with a lot. Would you mind helping me run this errand or do this task? Mm -hmm. They're more than happy to do that. So for me, you know, trying to balance it all, I look at things that I can hand off and I take time for myself where it's just me in my own thought and that actually really keeps my mental health in check. And I have to say, I actually was pretty surprised. I'm like, you know, it's really odd. I really haven't felt much anxiety or like worry or, you know, my mind hasn't taken me to like worst case scenario, I'm going to get COVID and die. Because <laughs> in yeah. the past, those would have been my thoughts. Yeah. And I realized I'm like, that lets me know, okay, I'm, I'm right on track. I'm doing what I need to. And I'm in a healthy space. And that for me has been really important, just scheduling. And I do, I schedule it in my day. I know at five o'clock works over and usually from five to six, sometimes I'll do it later in the evening, but, and if it's going to change, I'm not going to do my five to six o'clock decompression hour. Tell the kids or my husband, I'll say, you know, at eight o'clock, I'm going to go take an hour for myself. I wouldn't even say if you're experiencing something right now, just in general, see about taking 15, 30 minutes to yourself. Just try implementing that and see what the difference would make for you. Yeah, that's so important. Just prioritizing your own needs that, yeah, you have to fill your cup and mm -hmm. recharge. I love that. So what would you tell your younger self if you could go back? Oh, I would definitely, and it's kind of the theme <laughs> of my story here, but take care of yourself first and really learn to love yourself. Don't expect it out of, I mean, we know our parents and our family, they love us, but don't put your self-worth in the hands of somebody else. You know, really just learn to love yourself and accept yourself. And I know, especially when we're young, it's hard to do that because we fall prey to, you know, what our friends look and live like. Just take care of yourself first. Do what feels best for you because at the end of the day, you have to live in your own body and your own mind and nobody else can carry your stress, your anxiety, your depression. So you really need to do what's best for you. So take care of yourself always first and don't feel guilty about that. Yeah. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to mm -hmm. love yourself. Yeah. It's necessary. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. That's a powerful message. So to kind of wrap up, what do you want listeners to take away from this episode? Maybe what would you say to someone struggling? 
I would say, again, don't suffer in silence. There are resources and there's people that are willing and want to support you. I can guarantee there is somebody in your life that if you opened up to them, they would want to support and help you in any way that they can. I also, in my journey with this, I more recently, I've really felt like I want to create a platform for other women who experience with anxiety to be able to have a place where they can come and just identify with others or, you know, have a place to speak openly and safely. So I don't quite know if that will be in the form of a podcast or a Facebook group, but it's been really heavy on my heart and consistent in my mind that I wish that would have been there for me. And over the years, I continue to hear that other people do experience anxiety and there's a need for it. So I'm even open to if somebody wanted to send me an email because they're going through something, I would you know, love to be that safe person or that someone that can help you kind of start to climb out of what may feel hopeless or like that could never be me on the other side. I don't know if I could just share that verbally what the email is, but yeah, uh, yeah. You know, definitely. It's for the number four, I love me dot two at gmail. It's for I L U V M E dot two at gmail.com. Awesome. So again, if anybody wants to reach out or share with Erica, connect with her, I will have her email in the show notes below. Is there anywhere else you would like people to be able to find you? Yeah. So I am on social media on Facebook and Instagram, just under my name. It's Erica Donnell on both Instagram and Facebook. And you, know, you definitely could connect with me there, you know, follow me. And as I start to, like I said, create like my own platform, you'll be the first to know what's taking place and where you can connect on that side of things as I start to put that together. Awesome. I'm excited for you to do that. To close this episode, do you have a song that deeply resonates with you and your story? And if so, why and what did the lyrics read? Yes. So again, I am a spiritual person. I believe in God. And so for me, there was a song that I would hear and I actually listened to it last night and I get emotional every single time because when I was going through anxiety, it spoke to me. And now it continues to to remind me how far I've come. It's a song called Dear God by Smokey Norfolk. And pieces of the lyrics are, It feels so good to make it this far. I didn't think I could take it so long. There were days I wanted to quit. I said, surely this is it, but I held on. I could have been one of the ones who lost my way. And there was times, Lord, I knew I almost went crazy. But I'm still here with my life. (laughs) Sorry. Like I said, it makes me emotional every time. beautiful. Uh, So I thank you. Thank you for every mountain, every valley, everything you brought me through. Thank you. I know it was you. Just want to say thank you, Jesus, for my life. Those words were really, like I said, they really spoke to me when I was going through it. And even now, I'm just so proud of myself that I was able to get through it and that I'm strong today. And it's so important to me that if there's even just one person out there that feels like they want to connect with me because they don't feel like they have anywhere else to go, that I can help even just one person. Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's such a profound, beautiful song. I'll also be linking that in the show notes below to anyone that wants to listen to that. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. I 
I'm so proud of you and I am inspired by your resilience and strength. You are just amazing. Thank you. That means a lot to me. It really does. And I'm just so happy that, you know, you have your platform and people can, you know, have a place where they can, like I said, you know, identify that, hey, I'm not the only one and there's others out there and we're just all, we're all just trying to make it in this world, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have so much more in common than we realize. And if we stay connected, definitely we'll be okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. That's all we have for you guys today. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.